Well, I don't think I have uh, ever preached a sermon that was just a commentary on the Sunday before. But if I ever was, wouldn't today be the day? Uh, man, did you see what happened last Sunday? I, I would imagine a lot of you were here. Uh, just a, a phenomenal day in the life of our church. We had um, 66 people come forward. Now, all week long, we had counted 67, but we, we couldn't find the other one. I don't know if we lost him in the drain or, or what, but I think the official number we're saying now is, is 66 people came forward last week. Now, about 20 of those, uh, give or take, uh, were people that actually had come forward in a prior service at another time, and they, they were scheduled to be baptized last Sunday. But the other 40, 45 people were just coming at the invitation of the gospel and the, the call to, to follow Jesus, to put their faith in him, and, and even right then and there to go into those waters of baptism. Some just coming to, to scriptural obedience to baptism, others just doing what Jesus did. It was just an incredible moment. I, I think a lot of us, we thought we were having a great service in here, didn't we? But I think if you talk to a counselor, uh, or, or one of the people that came forward, they'd say the real service is what was going on back there. That's where they would say God was just thick and doing a, a great work. It was an exciting day. Uh, all of us left here rejoicing and just thanking God for what we had seen. But I tell you, as I did that, as I rejoiced and gave thanks, I couldn't help but ask the question uh, as I drove away last Sunday, why? Why did that happen, Lord? You know, through the week, uh, even some last Sunday, but even as the week unfolded, a number of you expressed uh, appreciation for, for what you saw was the amount of, of preparation and work that had gone into making, making last week happen, or the possibility of last week happen. And it was very different, very different service for us. I mean, logistically, there, there was just a lot to figure out. The, the mechanics of how the service would flow and work, and there'd actually be worship, uh, just the timing of it all. I mean, you kind of do the math, folks. It, there's a huge difference in time if 30 people come forward or if nobody comes forward. And, and when, you know, when we're planning and thinking, how is this going to work? We're kind of thinking in light of both of those things possibly happening. And then as, we're, as people are coming down, you know, there, there's a sense of, okay, we've got a limited amount of time here, but, but as they go down and go out, we have a a process, as a matter of fact, I just referred a moment ago to counselors, people who just simply make sure your, your questions have been answered. We want in this moment, uh, we want it to be memorable, we want it to be filled with understanding, we want it to be genuine, and we want to help you achieve that. And so that's what those counselors do. And so, you know, on the one hand, we're trying to create an opportunity where, you know, no matter how many people come forward, that that can happen back there. But at the same time, Man, we got we got to get their clothes changed. We got to get them in line. We got to get them. We got to get them baptized. There, there's all this timing uh, that is going on. And boy, when I say get their clothes changed, I mean you realize, folks, two out of every three people that were baptized last week didn't arrive at this building prepared to be baptized. They didn't know they were going to do that, and so we had to think through about providing all the clothing and for whoever. Uh, might come. As a matter of fact, that became a little bit of a problem itself. Uh, one of our pastors, Jim Reeves, almost arrested at the mall as he went from store to store buying ladies' underwear. And uh, he kept telling mall security it's for church work. And I said, quit using our name, Jim. Quit saying that. And uh, but there was all that to figure out. As a matter of fact, this is some of the fun behind the scenes stuff. We were anticipating. I mean, we were asking God to do something we hadn't seen before. 
And, and so we were kind of guessing, you know, we got a, a men's dressing room over here and a ladies' dressing room, but we just believed that the people were going to come, those, those dressing rooms wouldn't be big enough. And so basically everything back there behind that wall is a lot of our offices. Uh, basically everything that had a door became a changing room. But it was offices, it was carpeted, and so uh, we ended up uh, blowing up rubber baby pools for people as they came out of the baptismal to stand in and change clothes so everything wouldn't get soaking wet. You probably didn't know there was such great spiritual things being accomplished as blowing up rubber baby pools. But folks, these were the, the, the kinds of things. There was, there was just enough details, enough logistics in last week that we were thinking, man, what, what's going to happen you know, are, are we just building a train wreck here? Uh, is the service going to flow so that there's worship? Is there going to be time to accomplish this? Is anybody going to come? I mean, what if nobody comes? And Jim's going to have to return all that underwear. <laughs> you know, folks, there was just enough about last Sunday. There was just enough to scare us. We had to pray. Now, I don't, I don't want a statement like that to be confusing, as if that was the first time your pastoral staff stopped and prayed. Um, we, we pray every single week. We, we pray as a part of our staff meetings. There's other times we've gathered to pray over a, a situation, event, maybe an opportunity or something coming up. But, but honestly, yeah, the, the, the week before last Sunday, there was just a little greater sense of urgency, a little greater sense of intensity. We prayed a little bit longer in staff meeting that Monday prior. Uh, that Thursday morning, uh, we gathered in here as a staff. We were sitting here on these steps and on this front row. And man, we just prayed about 30 minutes or something for, for the service and what God was going to do that day. I, you know, I, I had a day of fasting and prayer going into that. And I, as a matter of fact, last week, and I had a pretty busy weekend. A lot of events, you know, through the weekend. But whatever I was doing... Kind of in the back of my mind, I was thinking, what's God going to do this Sunday? And so I was just kind of in a, in a constant state of prayer. You see, folks, this was just enough outside my comfort zone. Just enough outside what I could manage that I had to, that we had to just kind of wholly depend upon God for something we couldn't do. You saw what the result was, didn't you? And it was the power and it was the presence of God. Do you realize, folks, that by God's design, his power and presence is something that he wants for our church, for, for you as an individual? He wants that to be a regular experience. The, the operative word there is regular you and I as followers, as believers in Christ, you and I as His church, we are to regularly be experiencing His presence, His power, His work. And yet we kind of do, we look back at last Sunday and say, boy, that was, that was so special. And we would use a word like unique. Unique is the opposite of regular, isn't it? Why is that? Why are we not? And I, and I think I can say, why are we not... Individually, as a church, churches, why are we not regularly experiencing God's presence and power? Now, there's a variety of factors that can make that up. You know, but for today, I'm not really talking about sin or unfaithfulness. Obviously, those have a profound impact on our ability to experience that. But really, folks, for today, I am. I'm thinking about people who, who love God. 
who, who are seeking God, who want to do His will. They're saying, God, what's your will in this situation? What's your will in this service? What's your will in this relationship? God, I want to know what you want. They're, they're praying to God. They're depending upon God. That they want His blessing and touch. But here's the problem. They don't need it. I didn't say they don't want it. I didn't say they, we, do not want God's blessing and touch. We don't want His help. I didn't say that. I said we don't need it. What do I mean by that? Folks, it is your tendency and it is my tendency to manage life in a way that I can do it. I am trusting God for really what ultimately I can see myself doing. I'm depending on my power, my resources, my wisdom, and I'm rarely getting very far outside of that neighborhood. Man, do, do I want God to come over and, and to bless it and to touch it? Well, absolutely. Man, that just makes it all the better. But you and I are rarely putting ourselves in a position where we are utterly dependent upon God's blessing and touch. Nice to have it. I didn't say nice to have it. I said utterly dependent Upon it. And folks, I don't, I don't mean to be pessimistic. I might be wrong about this, but I actually think there are very few churches. I, I think there are very few believers, individual followers of Christ. Who ever really put themselves in a place where they are utterly dependent upon God. It's just our temptation. It's our tendency. I'm going to do what I can manage. I'm going to do what I can see making possible. And, and once I got that, then yes, I'm going to pray God to come help and to bless. But you see, it doesn't require God. Folks, last Sunday was special. It was special because we sought the impossible. We sought what we knew we couldn't do. Yeah, we worked. Oh man, yeah, we worked and we thought through it and, and, and we prepared. But do you realize not a bit of our work and preparation brought a single person down an aisle? Our, our work and preparation was nothing more than an expression of our expectation of what we believed God could do. And folks, God loves to do the impossible. And He actually doesn't want to do it around you or near you. He wants to do it through you. He wants to do it through us. And Genesis 8.14 said, is anything impossible for God? Obviously, the implied answer is no. Mark 10, chapter, or verse 27 says, all things. What does that include? Yeah, all things. It's not a trick question, folks. <laughs> all things are possible with God. And you know what? Even as we read that, I think it's our tendency to say, but... We think of the places we didn't see him do the impossible. Even though it says again in Luke 137, nothing is impossible with God. Now, folks, if these things are true, that God does impossible things and he wants to do them in and through us and around us and, and with us, then why isn't it that we're seeing that? Not, not once or twice in a life, not once or twice in a year. Why aren't we seeing that as a regular experience? Is it possible to, to, to love God, to be a follower of God, to be seeking His will, to be praying 
and yet actually have very little, if any at all, faith in him? Kind of a, that is kind of tricky to think about, isn't it? But you know, it's actually what Jesus points to. Look with me this morning in Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17, first book in the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, I hope you'll use one of ours there in the chair to read and, and, and study along with us. If you can't reach it, I know somebody will hand it to you if you ask. Matthew chapter 17, verse 14. Matthew 17, verse 14. It says, when they reached the crowd... A man approached and knelt down before him, him him being Jesus. Lord, he said, have mercy on my son because he has seizures and he suffers severely. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus replied, you unbelieving and rebellious generation. Does that seem like an awkward response? Maybe even a little bit of a insensitive response i mean come on jesus i mean y'all got the picture here don't you there there, there's a father and he's bringing his son to jesus and he says hey jesus could you could you heal my boy and jesus says you unbelieving and rebellious generation i I think if i'm the father i'm going oh my gosh what you know what happened what did what did i say who's jesus talking to here I, i think probably in the context of the of the passage he's talking to the father He's talking to the disciples. He's talking to everybody that's listening. And folks, a significant group, a significant number of this group that's listening believes him, trusts him, is trying to follow him. And he says, no, you really don't have any faith at all. How long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring them here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And from that moment, the boy was healed. Then the disciples approached Jesus privately and said, why couldn't we drive it out? Because of your little faith. Because you got no faith. Now, now if he says that to me, isn't, isn't it kind of the automatic question? Well, how much faith does it take? How much faith was I supposed to show? When Jesus answers the, the kind of question that would be rolling around back there. And he says, he told them, for I assure you, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, one of the smallest seeds on the planet, folks, it's a dot. It's a little tiny grain. You, you understand what he's saying here, don't you? It's not an amount of faith. If you show any faith, any expression of faith, make You're going to tell mountains to move from over there to over there. And the mountain's going to move. And nothing, nothing will be impossible to you. Nothing. And folks, this is a great story. There's a lot going on here. I mean, there's a miracle. There's a demon. There's Jesus. The Father and the Son. I don't really want to talk about any of that. Kind of what jumps out at me today is this that, that straightforward question in verse 19. Hey, Jesus, why couldn't we do this? Hey, I'm, I'm trying to follow you. I, I, I'm trying to do what you want. I'm doing what I... You know, you weren't here, Jesus. You, you, you were up on the mountain with a couple of, of the other disciples. And, 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 and so, you know, I tried to do what you would do. So what, why didn't it work? And Jesus says, because you don't have any faith. 
You're not, you're not doing what I would do. You're trying to do what you would do like me. There is a difference. Now, I, I don't know about y'all, but if I'm one of Jesus' disciples, I think right here I'm saying, hey, wait, wait a minute, time out. Why, why tell me I have no faith? Man, I, I left everything to follow you. I believe you're the son of God. I'm probably one of very few people on the planet at this moment that believes you're the son of God. I'm, I'm following you around. I'm trying to do what you would, you would want done. And you say that I, I have no faith. Yeah, you, you don't have any faith. You're taking on and you're doing, trying to be like me, you're taking on and doing what you can do. You're not putting yourself in a place where you're wholly and completely dependent on my Father to show up. On my Father to do it. Folks, it's our tendency to manage life in the way we can handle that. Let me rephrase that too. It is our tendency to manage the Christian life. I'll pick up Christianity. I'll pick up all of God's commands. And I'm going to try to do that. And I'm going to try to live like that. And I'm going to do it in my own power. I'm going to do it in my own way. I'm going to do it with how I think it ought to be done. And what I think it looks like. Utterly dependent upon ourselves. And that's not what anybody needs. It's not what you need. It's not what your family needs. It's not what the church or the world needs. Folks, you and I are to put ourselves in a place where it's just going to take God. It's just going to take God. We seek out the impossible. Now, you know, when I, when I say that, let me tell you what I don't mean by that. Because we can do some funny things with this word impossible and, and people and, and churches have. Like, for instance, we say, take on the impossible. That doesn't mean, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go up on top of the church and I'm going to jump off. I'm going to jump off because God can do the impossible and he can catch me before I hit the concrete. Now, I believe God can do that. But that's not what God's calling to. And by the way, that's not just a silly little illustration. Remember, that's what Satan tempted Jesus with. Remember, he said, now, you're the son of God. Clearly, your father's going to protect you. He's not going to let your foot strike you know, so, you know, before you begin this ministry, before you begin this journey of walking with God, you know, let, let's just make sure we know that the Father's there and taking care of you. Jump off and let's see him do the impossible. And Jesus, I'm not going to jump off a building. That's stupid. That, that's, a, that's a silly test. It means nothing. Now, if all my father wanted to show himself was to be some kind of magician, uh, somebody who did gimmicks to woo people and, and, and get a crowd for entertainment. Well, then, yeah, that might be real, a real important thing to do. But that's not the business my father is about. If my dad wants me to jump off a building, I'll jump off the building and he can catch me. But God's not calling people to jump off buildings. You know, God's, God's not calling people to go out and buy things they can't afford, buy things they don't need, and then watch them say, I'm trusting God to provide. Okay, then, then what is the impossible? What are the kinds of things we place ourselves in where the, where the impossible can be done? Well, I, I've put together a list of things, not an exhaustive list, just some, some ideas to get us thinking about what this looks like. It's not a fun list. It's not near as entertaining as jumping off a building. That'll draw a crowd, won't it? This won't. As a matter of fact, most of these things are things we avoid. Because of their impossibility, they're things that make us nervous. They're, they're, they're things that bring us to the end of ourselves. They're things that make us feel uh, we, we have no confidence in ourselves. Of course, that's, that's kind of what we're talking about, isn't it? That place where we have no confidence in ourselves and we're utterly dependent upon Him. 
And, and so you take any one of these things and you say, does it take God to make that happen? Am I forgiving in a way? Now, now you could just sit right there and say, am I forgiving? Do, do I forgive? And I, I think probably a lot of us could say, well, yeah, at some points in our life we have, I, I hope. Right? Because we're followers of Christ. We're trying to do what he wants. So, yeah, I try to I try to forgive people. That's not really the question. Am I seeking to forgive in a way that it's going to take God? You see, when I forgive Randy's way, I say you're forgiven. But, you know, sometimes I just feel like you might need a little lesson still a week from now. You know, maybe a little bit more lecture. You know, you need to kind of feel a little bit of my silent treatment or a little bit of my wrath. You know, I forgive you, but things are not going to be the same. But see, God said, here's what I want you to do. I want you. This is a command, by the way, not just something to try. I want you to forgive others the exact same way, what? That I forgave you. Folks, what kind of shape would your life be in if God forgave you the way you forgive others? Mine would be a mess. I really depend upon God's patience. I really depend upon His grace and His mercy. Can other people depend upon your patience? Your grace and mercy. Well, I can't forgive like that. Bingo, we're there now. The moment you say, I can't forgive like that, you're now in the neighborhood God wants you to be living. Man, I can't do that. It's going to take God for me to forgive like that. What about giving? See, I can give my way. I got an extra $5 today. Yeah. Or do I give God's way? Do I give that whole tithe, that whole 10%? Of my gross income. Oh man, if I do that, I can't make my budget happen. Man, is God reading the paper at all these days? Does he know what's going on? That's impossible. Ooh, boy. Folks, you realize every time you say that's impossible, you just started unloading the truck in the neighborhood God wants you living? Are you taking on the impossible? What about ministry? Folks, just because you're doing ministry, isn't that what the disciples were doing? Just because we're doing ministry doesn't mean God's involved. Folks, there's ministers all over the country today, and I have been one of them. Who do ministry and don't need God at all. I'm doing ministry that I can do. Ministry that I I can think through. I understand what to do here. I know how to do it. I take that on in my power. It's not what God's talking about. He's not just saying do something. Do something that's called ministry. Are you doing ministry in a way that you're utterly dependent upon God to make that change? For God to do that work. What about witnessing? I mean, that's a place where a lot of us feel it's impossible. I don't, I, I don't know what I would say. I, I, don't know if, I don't know what questions. I, I don't know how to answer those questions. Well, they might not like me. I'm just not confident. Mm, not confident. We're right back there again, aren't we? Yeah, folks, it's stepping into the places where you just have no confidence in yourself. And you're completely dependent upon God. What about love? Well, I can love people. Can't you love people? Man, we all love people. Can you love them like God would? Don't we love 1 Corinthians 13? And we just put that everywhere. It's almost like a poem. Put it in cards. Love is patient. Love is kind. (laughs) Have you ever really actually read that and thought about it? We ought to be offended by that. This is crazy. Nobody can love like that. Yeah, folks, the command on your life is not just go out there and love. It's love like that. Love like God would love. How about your mate? 
Man, how about attaching 1 Corinthians 13 to to passages like Ephesians 5? Are you loving your mate in your power and passion? Or are you seeking to love your mate in God's power and in God's passion? Are you seeking to love your mate in a way you can't do? I mean, you're driven daily to your knees saying, God, help me to love her. Help me to love him. Not in what I would do, but in the way you would. Do we ever think about that as the impossible places to trust God? Being a servant? Are you seeking to serve in a way? Not just, oh, I I can do that. Do you realize most of the times you and I serve, it's because we say what? I can do that. I've got time. Yeah, I've I've got Tuesday night free. Oh, yeah, I've, I've got a little bit of that. Oh, yeah, that's something I'm good at. Folks, most of the time we say we'll serve, it's because we're confident in ourselves. We're not saying, God, is that, is that a way you'd want to work through me? Do you want to do something in that person's life, in that, in that church? Do you want to do that through me? Folks, God loves to do the impossible because that's when the world sees him. Do, do you realize that your mate, your kids, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, your classmates... Your church, your world, they don't need to see you pick up the Christian life and live it great. They don't need to see you live greatly for God. Because at the end of that day, all they have seen is you. And that doesn't change anything. What they need to see you and me do. What my mate needs to see. What my kids need to see. What the people I work with. And and, and the people we go to school with. What my church. What my community. What my world needs to see. Is me pick up the impossible Christian life. Pick up the impossible commands of God. And live them in His power. And in His resources. And in His wisdom. Because at the end of that day. They see God. And that changes things. Folks, do you realize in this story that Jesus has offered as a, as a regular offering, a regular experience for every believer, He has offered you a faith where nothing in your life, nothing is impossible. Do you believe that? I do, but here's my problem. Here's what I've struggled with all week long. How many believers... How many churches am I aware of that are living that faith? That are doing the impossible. Not just doing it better than other people doing it. Not just doing it better than another church does it. They're doing the impossible. Folks, if we scratch our head and we say, well, I don't, I don't know. Or, or we scratch our heads and say, well, one or two. <laughs> That's not what Jesus was talking about, was it? One or two of you out there might really grab a hold of it. No, it's supposed to be the regular experience of our lives. Now, folks, there is something that is impossible. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. The Christian life is not one of seeing how great you can obey the commands. How great you can do God-like stuff. 
The Christian life is one of living in utter dependence upon Him so that His greatness, His great work is seen coming through your life. And that changes things, doesn't it? title of the sermon today is Something Impossible All the Time. You know what? That's not a statement of frustration. It's a statement of challenge. God, would you have something in my, po- in my life impossible all the time? You know, in here, in this context, again, that kind of sounds romantic. Kind of cool. Yeah, God, let's take on the impossible. But back up, though, when you really stop and think about what the impossible is, you know what you just prayed? God, would you have something in my life all the time that just scares me to death? Would you have something in my life all the time that just brings me to utter weakness? All I see is my inability. All I see is my lack of answers. God, would you have something in my life that just empties me of myself? So you can come and do the impossible through me. It'll change the world. If we just had any faith. Let's pray. Father, I'm sorry that I live so much of my life. My Christian life. With very little faith. Lord, we get stuck in a rut of thinking, well, if I go to church today and if I give some money and if I tell the truth this week and I, I try to do some kind thing for somebody, then, then I'm living the Christian life. I've, I've done something God should be pleased with. And we can do all of that. And we do all of that in our own effort, our own strength. We rarely... Rarely, God, I think we rarely walk in this building with eyes of faith. Looking for your power and presence, looking for what you and you alone can do through us. Not through somebody else to be entertained. God, we know what it is to walk through life and maybe being confronted with a situation that's overwhelming and we don't know any answers and and we pray But God, we get up from that time of prayer and we go on to handle it in a way we can manage. God, would you forgive us of our lack of faith? God, would you give us eyes to see perhaps just how little expressions of faith there really are in you? God, I'm sorry, we don't don't do anything much more than just expect you to come and put the icing on. God, let us see, you're not icing. You're the whole thing. God, would you give us the faith to literally offer you to bring the impossible into our lives? God, I don't know if I have enough faith to ask for that daily. Maybe, maybe just once a week, Lord. Maybe just once a week. God, would once this week, would once this week you give me the faith to take on the impossible with you? Your power, your resources, your wisdom. Because God, I want my mate to see you. I want my kids to see you. I want my church to see you. I want my friends and I want everybody around me. I want them to see you, God. I don't want them to see how well I'm doing for you. I want them to see you.
Help me. I can't do that. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.